0: You're listening to another episode of The Zag, here with 2017 NLC fellow Christina Prejan. Excited to have her on. She has some unique perspectives that not many of our fellows have. Thanks for listening. Let's get to it. All right, Christina. Glad to have you on. Christina, where are you right now?
1: I am uh, at my office here in San Diego.
0: Yeah. So you're unique in that you have a more Southern California connection to NLC and, you know, we're doing applications right now and interviews right now. how did you hear about NLC Los Angeles in the first place?
1: Um, I actually heard about it through, um, there was a woman who's running for city council here in San Diego a couple years ago. And I remember hearing about her and, uh, saw that she was an NLC fellow. And I said, what's that? Sounds interesting. Um, and I saw that we used to have a chapter here in San Diego. And so I looked up the closest one, which was in L.A., and I said, I, I want to be a part of that. It looks amazing. Um, so I was really grateful that you all let me be a part of the L.A. team. Uh, I made a lot of new friends up uh, a little bit north of me. So.
0: And then what is the progressive scene like in San Diego? Because it typically is a little more conservative down there, but how would you describe what it's, what it's actually like?
1: Um, I would say it is, um, I mean, I guess people think it's more conservative than it is just because of the, um, I think we have three military bases here. Uh, We have Camp Pendleton, Miramar, and then we have the naval base in Coronado. Um, But it's a little bit more progressive than maybe you would think. Uh, I think at the women's march in January this year, we had uh, about 100,000 uh, people come out which was really great to see. And ever since the election, we see more and more indivisible groups popping up here throughout northern uh North County in San Diego and just all over. So it's really great to see uh, the movement um just, you know, people uh being more vocal about their progressive views. Mhm.
0: And I'm glad you brought up the, the bases down there. Uh, like I said at the intro, you're unique in that you actually had military service, and I think really only fellow who, who can say that. Uh, can you share a little bit about what um, service branch you were in and what you did in the military?
1: Yes. Um, I was in the Air Force, and I served um, four years active duty, and then I did about two uh, years in the California Air National Guard, and so... After graduating from high school, I went into Air Force ROTC in undergrad at my college. Um, I went to Air Force ROTC at Loyola Marymount Mountain, LA and um, was my first station, my first base that I was stationed at was up in Mountain Home, Idaho. Um, and after about two years there, I was deployed to Afghanistan for a year uh, and then came back. And when I went into the uh, af- out of the active duty into the Air National Guard, I uh, served at Port Wainimi, which is a little bit north of um, Malibu.
0: So what do you feel like people, especially folks who are a little bit younger, maybe in, in, in our age, what do folks misunderstand about military service?
1: Um, well, I think uh, what's really unique to the military is that, and maybe not everyone knows this, but we do a lot of really great um, humanitarian projects around the world. And um, the military has been very advanced in technology and in, um, you know, climate uh, issues because we're nearly everywhere. We have bases all over the world and we see what's going on and the impact that um, our country has on, you know, on a global aspect um, and especially my time in Afghanistan, I really, uh, enjoyed the ability to, um, you know, not only do the job that I was there to do, um, but whenever there was downtime, which wasn't a lot, but whenever there was to take advantage of, um, being in Afghanistan and, and going out and, um, you know going on humanitarian missions to refugee camps and to women's centers and um, even women's prisons and really just, um, you know, shine a light on women's issues and just kind of just be a presence there. Mm
0: -hmm. So I, I
1: was
0: going to ask you on the idea of misunderstanding as well. What do you think folks don't get right or don't have a conception of when it comes to Afghanistan and the people there?
1: Um, Folks in American folks, or yeah, um, you mean what kind of perception that uh, most folks have of what American soldiers are doing in Afghanistan?
0: Yeah, either that or just in general, because you've had a chance to to be in in country for that long and interact with folks in it. Sounds like many different ways. Yeah, having had that experience for yourself, what do you feel like? Uh, folks in the States would find most interesting or or what do you feel like some of their misconceptions are that would be easily dispelled if they had a chance to go there and interact with the people themselves?
1: Mm. Well, um, I mean, definitely is a country where women are second class. I mean, they openly will say, businesses will openly and proudly say that they do not hire women. Um, and they do not hire people who are not Muslim and they do not hire people who are of, uh, different races. But Afghanistan has a lot of different tribes and uh, tons of different languages. Um, so there is a lot of uh, just separation amongst um, Afghan people, uh, which I think is a reason why they haven't had, they haven't been as unified as other countries. Um, and they've had a war going on in their country for over 30 years. Um, but uh, I think that um, maybe one misconception that people have is that we're in as soldiers are in Afghanistan just to um, you know be fighting and um, and kind of uh, using uh, weapons and bullets to to complete our missions. But one of the main um, missions that we had was counterintelligence, and a lot of that uh, had to do with our relationships with Afghan people and in making sure that we built good relationships with the men and women of Afghanistan, uh, not only with the civilians, but with the Afghan National Police, the Afghan National Army and Air Force. And um, I was I had the wonderful opportunity of meeting uh, five of the first female Afghan Air Force pilots And, um, yeah, and so I had, I had the opportunity to spend the day with them kind of mentoring and just kind of sharing my experience in the, in the American air force and, um, some similarities that they faced in the Afghan air force, uh, just with a lot of the sex discrimination and, uh, and whatnot. Um, one thing that was pretty sad was that they were saying their families were getting death threats from, extreme groups like the Taliban because they had sent their daughters to serve in the Afghan military. So.
0: Wow. And then when you think about the folks that you served with, um, would you describe the majority of the people you serve with as apolitical or are there other progressives? Uh, how how do the political the conversations or a lot of the things that you would talk about with your NLC group or your other NLC fellows, does that do those conversations happen in the same way when you're serving with your counterparts there? How does that work?
1: Um, when I was active duty, it was, uh, when we had president Obama, um, in the white house. And I mean, in the military, you don't have all of the first amendment freedom of speech rights that, uh, regular civilians have. So, um, You know, if some if an active duty member talks badly about the president, then um, you know, uh, disciplinary action can be taken against them. Um, So there wasn't a lot of talk about politics, to be honest. And um, as an officer, I didn't want to ever, you know, um, have any type of political impact on those that were serving um, in my flight or in my squadron. So, uh, I mean, things would, certain political conversations would come up, but, um, it definitely wasn't as, um, it, it wasn't something that was welcomed, you know, um, we have a lot of really great conversations about politics and just, uh, current events at uh, our NLC cohort up in LA, but not, nothing as, as, uh, you know, in depth when I was on active duty.
0: And then what would you argue is the progressive view on military intervention or the use of military in general? I think typically folks associate military and military conversation with conservatives and uh, a different political party than progressives usually are part of. With yourself being progressive, how do you feel like the or what, what views do you feel like the progressives should lobby for when it comes to military action or military service?
1: well um I, you know, I think that I, I've been very happy to see a lot more progressive veterans here uh, in Southern California that i've met more recently um, and it's nice and re- very refreshing um, and I would say some important things to lobby for or to be an ally for uh, would be one women in the military i mean it's we only have about I think it's between 14 to 20% of women in the military right now. Um, we have a, a lot of sexual assault and sexual harassment issues. Um, and, uh, so that's something that I, I is near and dear to my heart. I was a sexual assault victim advocate and I saw a lot of it firsthand, just the lip service and how, uh, nothing was being done. I understand that it's a very difficult topic to, uh, you know, to address and to combat, but, um, I didn't see as much effort as is needed to fix the problem. And then also the transgender ban, I think it's important, um, for us to be supporting our military, uh, sisters and brothers who are, uh, who identify as transgender and to ensure that they are allowed to serve and, um, and are treated with the dignity and respect that any other, uh, veteran is treated with, um, and deserves. Yeah.
0: Well said, when we come back, I'll ask Christina about some of the recent topics in the news, especially as it relates to the flag and the anthem and all those good things. You're listening to this egg stick around. We'll be right back. All right, Christina, I'm sure you have thoughts and takes on, all the NFL happenings, uh, standing, kneeling for the anthem. How have you answered that question when folks have have asked you what your position is on this topic?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think that I mean last year when Colin Kaepernick um, took a knee, I um, I stood I stood with him on social media, and uh, you know the hashtag Veterans for Kaepernick. I uh, I wanted him to know that as a veteran, I didn't feel like it was a slap in the face, like a lot of conservatives were alleging. Um, and I I think that it's important for uh, NFL players to be able to use their position, um, you know, as, especially, I think, uh, you know, Sunday night football, Monday night football is one of the most watched um you know, shows or programs on, on television in the U.S. at least. And so, I mean, what better way for NFL players uh, to to use that as a platform to speak out against the social injustices that they face in their families and communities, you know, in the African-American communities that a lot of them um, come from and still, um, you know, belong to. And I think that as, as we discuss in NLC, it's important for us to be allies and you don't need to be from an African-American community to be an ally and to say, uh, to speak out and say, yes, this is, this is wrong. This is racial injustice. This is, um, you know, inequality that we see. And, um, and it's important for us to support, um, to support that, the movement and, and uh, I would like to see more conversation being done on uh, fixing the the type of systematic injustices that we see against our African American brothers and sisters.
0: And do you see more veterans playing an active role in the political space? I mean, with so many folks who've who've served in Afghanistan or served in in, in Iraq in the last fifteen twenty years, and folks are of that age when would be then likely to run for office or participate in other ways. Are you plugged into those groups? Do you see that happening? Do you want that to happen for yourself? What do you What do you see c- coming down the road?
1: I think it's important uh, for veterans to serve in public office because, I mean, right now we have a president who has zero military experience, and um, I don't think that he truly understands the, the impact that it has not only on military members, but on our our families when we deploy, and if we have our leaders um, in office, both you know, local, state, and federal, who do not understand the full impact of uh, what happens when we send our troops out to war zones into certain uh, dangerous areas around the world, and we just kind of send them without. Uh, full understanding and just willy-nilly, then it's a problem. uh, Because we see that a lot of veterans come back with PTSD, with alcohol issues, suicide. I think it's 22 suicides are committed a day by veterans. and then, you know, domestic violence against spouses when they come back, um, it has a huge impact on families. So I do think it's important that veterans serve uh, because especially as a commander-in-chief, you know, uh, the, the commander-in-chief is making very important decisions of, of deploying our troops to uh, areas around the world. And, and I think that they should know uh, what we are sending our our troops into and the ramifications and impact that will have not only on on these individuals that are deploying, but families and then also our communities as a whole. So I do think it's important we have more veterans in office. And um, yes, I do eventually want to run for office. I'm excited about that. And um, I recently, actually through NLC... I heard about um, the Truman International Security Project. And so I just applied for the San Diego chapter here and here and um, looking forward to hearing back from them. But um, a lot of really great progressives uh, and veterans in that group. So I look forward to, to being a part of that.
0: Nice. Well, thanks for holding down the fort in Southern California. We need all the progressives. We can get down there. Uh, Thanks for joining us, and thanks for listening to another episode of The Zag. You can find all past episodes on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud. We're everywhere. Stay tuned for more episodes coming this week. But thanks again for listening. We'll catch you soon.